Hello, and thanks for joining us for a digital service. We'd love to connect with you, and there's lots of ways we can do that. The first way is if you download our app for the church. You can find that in the iTunes App Store or in the Google Play Store by searching FBC INDEPMO. That's FBC INDEPMO for Independence, Missouri, obviously. Another way you can connect with us is if you like and follow our Facebook pages. We actually have three. One for the main church congregation, where you'll hear from Pastor Kevin. The second is with uh, the Student Loft, where you'll hear from me, the Student Ministries Pastor, Russell Pierce. And then the third, you'll hear from Dave Scott, our Children's Minister, at Kids Street. And uh, one other way you can connect with us is through YouTube. Now, the easiest way to find that is actually in the app. Once you have the app installed on your phone, all you have to do is go down to the tile that says Watch. And when you click that, it, you'll be directed to the videos on our YouTube channel. Be sure once you get there to like and subscribe to those videos. You can even hit the bell icon to get notifications when new videos are uh, released. Also in the app, if you'd like to help the ministries of the church, whether it be on this digital platform or through our benevolences that happen locally, you can donate and tithe to the church through the app also. Another way you can connect with us is through filling out a contact card digitally through the app. Uh, when you fill that out, you'll actually get push notifications through the app, letting you know exactly what we have going on at the church, whether it be a reminder of a digital service as of right now. And then locally, when uh, hopefully things settle down, we're able to meet at the building again. When we have events at the church, you'll be notified of those events as well. Now, before we start anything else, let's pray. If you have prayer requests, specifically that you want to pray for, that you want to take to a holy and righteous God, I'll give just a moment for personal prayer, and then I'll commence a corporate prayer for the church body. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for today, Lord, and I thank you for being exactly who you are, Lord, and that is a holy and righteous and loving, gracious God. Lord, I pray that you would prepare our hearts and minds for what you have for us, Lord, that we would be ready and willing to accept what you have for us and take it and run with it, Lord, that we might change our neighborhoods, our homes, our cities, our counties and country, Lord, for your sake, Lord, out of a love for you. And I thank you for it, Lord, and I pray for the rest of the service, Lord, that we would be engaged and in tune, Lord, with what you have for us. Amen. Good morning. Welcome to worship. Let's sing together. There's a place for mercy Like a flood comes flowing down. 
Hello kids, it's Mr. Dave from Kid Street. Um, happy Palm Sunday! What, you don't think my decorations are appropriate? Well, you know, it's a celebration. I've got my necklace and my party hat on it. See, it's a, it's a fiesta. Yeah, I ask those questions about Palm Sunday too. You know, when you think of Palm Sunday, you think of people being happy to see Jesus. They waved palm branches in the air. That seemed like an odd thing to do. But, you know, they didn't have party stores where they could buy decorations, so they, they cut down their, their palms and, and waved them in the air. We read from uh, John 12, verse 12 and 13. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel! Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. They knew that they had reason to celebrate that their Messiah was in their city, and they wanted to celebrate his arrival so they grabbed what they could, and they waved it in the air, and they shouted praises and celebrated the Lord that had come for them. So at this time, we celebrate his coming in our lives. Why don't you bow with me, and then we'll listen to Pastor Kevin's words. Dear Lord, we celebrate your arrival in our world, in our lives, we ask that uh, you open our hearts to your word and that we share that excitement of your life in us with those around us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Kevin here, First Baptist Church Independence. Palm Sunday, obviously not the effect I'm looking for, on our church, usually what we do is have the children come in waving palm fronds. There's lots of big music and everybody's excited and people are laughing and clapping. And the kids are having a lot of fun too. Then they come up on stage and sing a song with us. And it's a great big celebration. It's wild, it's noisy, it's chaotic. It's really kind of the way it was when Jesus entered Jerusalem that day 2,000 years ago. When Jesus entered Jerusalem that day, it was the weekend of a big celebration and the Jewish people were excited and they were getting ready to celebrate their God and everything was wonderful and they were excited and Jesus came in and it was chaotic and children were screaming and everybody was having a great time. Unfortunately, it didn't last. That was Jesus' last weekend to enter Jerusalem. From what we understand, he was arrested not too long after the parade. He was tried, he was crucified, and he died on the cross. When Jesus came on this earth, 
He wanted to do so much for us. He wanted to love us. He wanted to show us the love of God. He wanted to heal us. He wanted to give us a path to the future. So today, we talk about a day in the life of Jesus, and we're going to talk about the crucifixion. The crucifixion of Jesus was the pivotal point of his life's ministry. Before the resurrection, the crucifixion was Jesus' big act. It was a time when God expressed himself. So follow along with me, if you would, in Luke chapter 23. I'll read verses 33 through 46. Luke chapter 23, beginning at verse 33. And when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots, dividing up his garments among themselves. And the people stood by, looking on. And even the rulers were sneering at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if this is the Christ of God, his chosen one. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming up to him, offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Now there was also an inscription above him, This is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who were hanging there with him hurled abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, Today you shall be with me in paradise. And it was now about the sixth hour, and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour, the sun being obscured, and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into thy hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. A day in the life of Jesus. This fateful day was the day of his resurrection. A lot of things we can learn from this. One of the things that we want to remember is that Jesus' death on a cross shows us the utter depravity of humanity. Here's a passage of Scripture I want to read to you. It's Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That passage gives us the background needed to understand the crucifixion. Everybody's a sinner, for all have sinned. When Jesus taught this, when Paul wrote it later, he was trying to get everybody to understand that people generally, even though they may be good people, are sinners. It doesn't mean they're bad people. When we say someone is a sinner, it simply means they're separated from God by their sin. Good people are sinners. Bad people are sinners. Whether you are attractive or intelligent, rich or poor, try to be good or don't care, it doesn't matter. The moment you separate yourself from God by any decision you make in sin, you become a sinner. So if you think that way, then we understand that everybody here is a sinner. Like Paul said, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We may not always understand this truth and what it means. In fact, is we often distort it. In my line of work, for a lot of reasons, I end up talking to preachers a lot and policemen a lot. Strangely enough, we deal with a lot of the same people. I always joke when we talk about the sinfulness of humanity, and by the way, no one ever denies the sinfulness of humanity. And I joke and say, well, at least it's job security. The policemen and the preachers smile and laugh. It's really not very funny, though, is it? When you begin to understand that the suffering of humanity 
is due not to just anything that goes along, but typically because of the sinfulness of self or others, then it is a real tragedy when you realize that so much that happens doesn't have to happen. But it will just because people are sinners. The sinfulness of humanity is the reason that the story we read, the crucifixion of Jesus, came about. So here's a little bit of history. You know the creation story. We were created innocent and perfect and in relationship with God. And the Old Testament story is Adam and Eve lived in this wonderful Garden of Eden, and they lived in relationship with God. They loved each other. Everything was perfect. And then sin entered the picture. They were separated from God, cast out of the garden, and that seemed to determine the course of the future of humanity. God tried to reach us. First he sent Moses in the Ten Commandments to reach us and call us back to him. Then he sent the prophets saying, repent and come back to following God. And he continued to send other people, the psalmist writing of the loving kindness of God. And finally, Jesus. Jesus' message was very simple. Repent. Turn from your sins. Follow God and trust Him, and He would give you life and salvation and hope in this life. Jesus was God's final act after Moses, after the prophets, after the psalmist. There was Jesus. Paul wrote in Galatians 4 that Jesus came in the fullness of time. In other words, when the time was just right, God acted in history to bring His Son Jesus onto the scene. Jesus came to kill, save us all. He was good and holy and perfect. And we killed Him, didn't we? Sometimes we need to understand a little bit about who killed Jesus. We tend to think that certain groups killed Jesus. Well, it was the Jews who killed Jesus. Or it was the Roman government who killed Jesus. Let me explain. The Jews did not kill Jesus. The Roman people did not kill Jesus. You know who killed Jesus? We did. That's the biblical teaching, that all of us share responsibility for Jesus' death on a cross, because all of us, the people whom God loves and created, we're the sinners that Jesus died on the cross to save. We killed Jesus. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Our passage reminds us of the utter depravity of everybody. We're tainted by our sin, even at our best. We have mixed motives and mixed actions. And even when we try to do good, sometimes we can't. Paul discussed sin this way. He goes, it, he, he didn't, didn't understand it. When he tried to do the right thing, he couldn't. And when he wanted to say the right thing, he couldn't. And he found himself doing things he didn't want to do and saying things he didn't want to do. He was talking about the struggle of sin within him. And he was a preacher. I wish I could say that preachers are different than everybody else, but I went to school with a lot of preachers, and I am one, by the way, and we're all the same, just like you, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. On the cross, people mocked Jesus. The soldiers mocked Him. The thief on the cross mocked Him. Everybody there mocked Jesus except for His closest followers. Everybody was responsible for Jesus' sin. Interestingly enough, though, Jesus dying on the cross was a good thing for us because in that act, God's love for us all was demonstrated in a very dramatic way. 
We should never be tired of hearing the phrase, God loves you. Several years ago, Missouri Baptists had this statewide evangelistic emphasis. And the theme was, good news, Missouri, God loves you. Later, we did a nationwide emphasis, good news, America, God loves you. It was based on the conviction that most people live in fear of God and they're afraid of Him and they want to know Him, they want God's help in their life, but they are also very much aware of their sin and think that God doesn't love them. One of the most powerful messages you can say to anyone is, God loves you. There is a country music song that demonstrates this. It's kind of a funny song. I like country music for all sorts of reasons. It's good music usually, and sometimes the lyrics are just so clever. There's a song I'm thinking of. It's by Daniel Peck, and the, the title was I Don't. And in the song, it talked about a man and his wife, and of course, he was a cheating man because that's the theme of almost every country music song. And he had cheated on her and broke her heart, and she, was, she just hated him. And he came crawling back, begging for mercy and forgiveness. And in the song, he said, you should forgive me because Jesus did. And uh, the song, in the song, the woman's reply is cutting. She says this. She acknowledges the truth that God has forgiven him, but tells him that the difference between her and God. As a song wails to a beat, she says, God will forgive you. I won't. The difference is Jesus loves you. And I don't. Clever, isn't it? Now, that's not a Christian song, obviously, but it paints a picture of the gospel that is absolutely spot on. Our love for other people is determined by circumstances and emotion and moods. God's love for us is determined by His character. Our love for other people changes. It's undependable. Sometimes we forgive and sometimes we don't. God always loves us. It's based on His character. God always offers forgiveness. It's who He is. So even that country music song, as silly as it is, portrays the gospel accurately. God always loves. God always offers forgiveness. God's love and forgiveness is made available to us through the crucifixion of Jesus. Even the circumstances of the crucifixion make this known to us. When Jesus headed towards Jerusalem that final week, His disciples said, don't do it, Jesus. But Jesus wanted to. It's not that He wanted to die on the cross, but He wanted to do what He could to save humanity. He loved us. When Jesus was betrayed by G Judas, Judas was His disciple who betrayed Him, betrayed Him with a kiss, and Jesus said this to him, friend, do what you have come for. While on the cross, Jesus not only prayed for His enemies' forgiveness, Father, forgive them. He also offered forgiveness and salvation to the thief hanging on the cross next to him. Today you shall be with me in paradise. Every step of the way, Jesus offered love and forgiveness, not based on circumstances or mood, but based on his character as God himself. It should come as no surprise that the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, use almost 30% of their time talking about Jesus and the crucifixion. It was Jesus' primary ministry. Jesus' crucifixion was the focal point of His ministry. In God's plan, the sacrifice of Jesus was the way God's demands for justice could be satisfied and humanity could be forgiven. The crucifixion was one of the greatest teachings and events in history. There are so many things taught to us through Jesus' example 
Let me give you just a couple. First of all, God loves everyone. I've said it before, I'll say it again. God loves everyone. On the cross, Jesus prayed for those who were crucifying him. Father, forgive them. God loves everyone. On the cross, one of his last things that he did was offer forgiveness to the thief who put his trust in him. God loves us. Jesus loves us. Jesus loves everyone. When I was a kid, and even to this day, I'll sing the song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me. Another children's song, red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Absolutely true and gospel. Always a good song. Fact is, I sing that song often at funerals because everybody knows it, everybody understands it, and at the point of death, everybody needs to hear, God loves everyone. That's one of those dramatic messages taught to us through the crucifixion. One of the other things here that we're taught is that God acts in history to save us. It's one thing to talk about something. It's quite another thing to do it, isn't it? We know politicians and leaders and people who talk about all sorts of good things, but they don't always follow through. God talks about loving us and doing something for us. It's called the Word of God. As you read Scripture, you find out that God loves you, God forgives you, and God acts. And then we see God actually doing something to save us. He didn't just talk about it. He, in His plan, planned for His Son Jesus to take human form, to live on this earth, to fight against hypocrisy and religion, and to ultimately die on the cross. God changes history by moving in history. Several years ago, there was a movie about Jesus. I generally don't like many movies about Jesus. They're too nice and too clean. But this particular movie uh, was, uh, was pretty gory and bloody. You remember the one I'm talking about, probably. And it was roundly criticized because it was so gory and violent. And yet, to Christians, there was some comfort, not in the gore and the violence, but because it was an accurate portrayal of the lengths to which God would go to save us. In that movie, Jesus was crucified and died a miserable and suffering death. And that is exactly what happened. Jesus on the cross died a miserable and suffering death for us. God proved He loved us when He allowed His Son to die on the cross for us. God proved that He was willing to do something for us. And God proved in Jesus that He could do something for us when He allowed His Son Jesus to die on the cross For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever lives and believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. One of the first passages of Scripture I memorized. It's something I quote to myself often, not because I need to, but it's good for me. It's good to hear. Sometimes I need it, but oftentimes it's just comfort, and it reminds me that there is a God out there who lives and loves and acts on my behalf. This Jesus, whom we crucified, was resurrected later. We'll talk about that next week, of course. And in that crucifixion and resurrection, Jesus gives us new life. Let me encourage you to consider how Jesus might call you to service and obedience. If you haven't received Him as Savior, it's very simple. You just ask Jesus to save you and confess your sin to Him, 
and place your faith in following Him. When you do that, the Bible says God receives you and He will make His Spirit to move in your heart and He will save you from your sin and give you a different life. Let me encourage you to do that today. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for service. And don't forget to connect with us however you like, whatever you feel comfortable with. And hopefully we will see you next week. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for all your many blessings, Lord. I pray that you would be with us as we pursue your will in our lives, Lord. And uh, I thank you again for all the many blessings, Lord, especially in the service today. Guide and direct us, Lord. Amen.